New Year, same great radio. Welcome back to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel Markin. I'm joined around the table, Greg Harris. Hey. He's regular on the show and uh, returning from a little vacation, a little bit of Christmas holidays, a little bit of uh, um, New Year's, Jeff Bucknam. Hey, how are you? We're great. Why was just such an awkward silence after that? You can't respond with just kindness? It's good to see you, Daniel. It's good to see you, Greg. It's good to see you, Jeff. It's good to be seen, Greg. It's good to see you, Greg. It's good to see you, Jeff. Yeah, did you guys have a good time with the podcast in in my absence? I bet you did. Oh, uh, we did. We, we had one of we had the uh, Steve Weens, friend of the show, on on the program, and uh, man, why, Greg? Was is it a not a, was it not an anointed? Greg is podcast, sitting across Greg. from me right now, nodding like vigorously. I answered a phone call from you during the podcast. Yeah, we were going to try and get you on. <laughs> when you called me last week, I was trying to read the situation if I could invite you on the podcast. I, I decided not to. Oh, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Because <laughs> I think I was calling to rant. Yeah, it was a bit of a rant. And I thought he might not be ready for the podcast. No. He might no. not be in the headspace to be. I was looking forward to a, a guest on the phone. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, we were just talking about it, too. Yeah. And then true. then you called. And I'm here, pointing at the... Here, Steve, Steve had this idea. Steve thinks that we should, like, once a month, have, like, a live, like, a Facebook live the podcast and have people's comments direct the show. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. like reader, reader or caller people power is what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give, give the people the power. You want to do this? Say. We got to give the people what they want. This is the people's podcast. You bet. Let's do it. Honestly, that. we could change the name to people's podcast. Next week. Let's, Let's do, do it. That. Next week. Do you want to do it next week? I'm thinking episode 350. Okay, you can do whatever you want. Or you can do it next week. No, 350 it. sounds good. But Let's 350, do. we have to do something special. What yeah. time? What are we right now? Um, three thirty-five. Okay, so see you in three months. <laughs> That's a great yeah, idea. Let's we can keep plugging months. it. We can keep plugging it. Is that this fifteen weeks, three months. Well, I don't know. I'm not I, a math genius. I think it. Four I think months? it is. It's a three or four. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's I never. It was the ballpark. Yeah. No ballpark. Yeah. Where's that saying come from, by the way? In the ballpark. It's in the ballpark. No, no, no. I mean, it's from baseball, obviously, but like probably like. You, Can you give like, me a ballpark guess? But like, what does I that think mean? It's, I think it's probably how many people do you think are here in the ballpark? Ah, oh, sixty thousand. Oh, there there oh, you go. You think it's about like the whole? St- I was going to say yeah. I think it's about the stadium, like the size of the like stadium. How many people kind of, are here today? Yeah, you just yeah. you're guessing them. Oh, ballpark. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more like you could be in a like playing the game. Or so I was reading just as, a, the game. as an aside of this. When somebody says when when we uh, are in a baseball stadium and you guys will look around and you say there's 30, must be 35,000 people here or whatever. Do we, do we claim that that language is untruthful? And the answer is no. Of course we don't claim that that's untruthful. We think that that's true. But yet people are, that, that's the way people did numbers in the ancient world. They ballparked them. Mm. Right. So what ends up happening is a lot of people claim the Bible is un- like, has all sorts of errors in it because their like numbers 5, are, men are round. Yeah. They're, they're saying, oh, there's 5,000 men. No, there was seven or five. There was 5,123 men. Do you, do you understand? Greg. Like, so we end up applying uh, modern uh, kind of scientific rules to the speech that uh, that happens in the Bible when we don't even apply that to our own speech. Like when I say it's like three months away. Yeah, when you say... You get all mad at me. Right, I do. That's right. Because I'm because we, we have more of a literalistic, you know, exacting kind of 
idea regarding numbers and things like that than they did. Or clearly, so for those of you who like here come across things in the Bible, say, well, there's, uh, you know, this this many thousands fought this many thousands. It's it, they're ballparked numbers. That that's what they are. But that doesn't mean that they they're they're not true. They're true numbers, mm-hmm. insofar as the people intend them. They intend them to be ballparked because that's how people did numbers in those days. Doesn't mean that we're better than they are because people do this all the time now. Right. I even use the phrase all the time. That's an exaggeration. It's not all the time. Right. But don't you think that nowadays we think that we're smarter than they were? Of course we do. That's why we pass judgment on it. And anyway, I've, I've been reading in the last little while. We have a leadership meeting this weekend at uh, at the church, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the Bible. And I've been reading a little bit about how some arguments re- regarding what's called inerrancy, which is a term I don't really care whether you use or not, don't use. It means, does the, it means, is the Bible fully trustworthy on all it affirms? And it's interesting the arguments that people make are usually formed around, uh, around people's modern worldview. So if I have a modern scientific worldview, I'm going to ask the Bible a bunch of questions. The Bible then will fall short, at least in my understanding of things, right? Mm-hmm. When the, the problem actually is not the Bible, I'm not treating the Bible on its own terms. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, I'm assuming my scientific worldview is the only true worldview, the only, the only way you can look at things, right? Mm. So how language should be understood is according to my scientific worldview. In fact, there was a guy named Vern Poitras who wrote a book called Inerrancy and Worldview that argues this very point. Mm. Okay, but if, if the Bible is divinely inspired, why doesn't the Holy Spirit just guide us to give the actual right number? <laughs> well, what do you mean by right number? The exact number. Uh, that's what we want to... But that's my point, though, is that you're using modern definitions of right to speak about that. And I'm, I'm suggesting that, that actually those modern definitions of right are modern. They're not necessarily right or wrong. They're, I, they are right. If, if I said there are, you know, 61,376 people at the Seahawks game, right? Uh, because I have records on my computer of paid attendance, by the way, which is probably, is that true? No. It's true that there are, that there are paid attendance, but it's not, it's not the number that are actually there. Right. You have no way of knowing the actual. So, so you're giving me the number that is of uh, that is paid or mm-hmm. that you registered at your gates or something to that effect, right? But we treat that as more um, truthful because we can scientist scientifically verify it on some level. Mm. Whereas uh, ballparked numbers are not as truthful, but that's not true. They are truthful. They are, if the author intends them to be ballparked and understood as ballpark numbers, right? Mm. That's my point. Is it in the Bible? You have to understand what the author intends. It's not what you, how you feel about it. It's whether, what, what is the author intending to convey? Do we ever see it exaggerated, the numbers? You bet. All the time, man. So I'm thinking with uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Yeah. What's that implying? I don't, it means that David killed a lot more guys than Saul did. He was a better warrior. He was a better, supposedly a better leader of, of, of God's forces than Saul was. And therefore, in those days where, you know, someone's, someone's military prowess said something about their ability to lead the nation, the, the assumption is that David is a better leader than Saul. Hmm. He's, 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 he's more successful than Saul. And that's why Saul got mad. But for you to then zero in on the 10, well, David probably didn't kill 10,000, and you're going to do some research now to try to prove that, well, they didn't, if they fought these four wars, and this number of people were in each war in this region, and it wasn't 10,000. What about the... Uh, I'm, I'm saying that that's not the intent of the author in that place, and we are holding the Bible to a standard that the Bible itself is not 
mm. intending to be held to. It's not like the, the ancient ancient authors wrote in a certain way. That's not untruthful. Right. So isn't there a, I don't know the exact details. Isn't there a bit of a controversy about how many Israelites left Egypt? Yeah. It would have been like yep. millions or something if right. we use the actual you've math got, provided. You've got ballparked numbers in these cases, which are truthful if you're ballparking them. So how um, is that conversation just about numbers then? Because Daniel, before we started the radio program that we have going on right now. The one we're talking on right now. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Uh, there was a question that someone asked about Adam and Eve. Oh, right? yeah. Here we go. So how I'm just are Adam I'm and Eve? Your, I'm giving you a segue. Well, here's the question. Yeah, are Adam and Eve real people, or are they just literary devices that? Because if you look at other creation stories in different religions, there's kind of similar figures. There's trees and there's fruit of good and evil and knowledge and whatnot. So are they literary figures, or are is Adam and Eve just? We're referencing any man and any woman could have been Adam and Eve in this story. How would Jesus have answered that question? You know, radio's not great with dead air. You know that. I thought it was rhetorical. I no, thought you were about I'm to keep talking. Jim I'm Rome, asking you guys. Jim Rome disagrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? I, Jesus referred to Adam as a real dude. Yeah. Yeah, he did. On several occasions. Yeah, especially when he's talking about marriage and, uh, and divorce. He's being confronted by the Pharisees about their kind of an inner room squabble between the Pharisees over what they believed when, when divorces are allowed or not. And Jesus references the creation account, uh, in, in a very literal fashion. So why, why is it? He doesn't treat it just as a, as a, as a story with, uh, that's, that that's metaphorical or anything like that. So I, I, I'm saying that if you went to Jesus and the evidence that we have in the new Testament from Jesus and the apostles there, they treated, they treated Adam and Eve as real people. I don't also see any reason why, literarily, as you read Genesis, why you would come to a conclusion, literarily, that mm. they are treated any different than Abram mm. or, uh, or Joseph. Now, I've had, listen, I've had, I have a friend who I had a, a good, good long debate at the Evangelical Theological Society this year who raises some interesting questions about all that, and... I'm not in any way suggesting there isn't nuance or discussion to be had regarding some of the scientific uh, problems that currently exist, especially things that are being raised by some scientists who do DNA studies saying that it's not possible for the breadth of human DNA that exists today to shrink, shrink down to, you know, an original two it has to be at least 10,000 people at one time. So um, is that kind of what John Walton talks about? Yeah, and I think, he did a book where I haven't read John Walton's stuff. I know that uh, there are guys locally who who hold that. Some guys at Trinity Western hold that viewpoint, and several others. Uh, I think I've said on on this podcast before. I I'm willing to hear their their viewpoints uh, openly, and uh, but I also think that we should probably wait to make some big judgments about this and change our understanding of the history. Of, you know how the church has understood these things over his, over its history until. Uh, such time as the science has been able to be kind of kind of supported over and over again for a number of years. Like in other words, the Bible's been around for two thousand years, and there's been so many scientific uh, inquiries and and questions that have been raised about it. And the Bible, in my view, has has been able to answer those those all. 
at some level or another. Some of those have changed and and nuanced our understanding of some things in the in the Bible. I think that's really helpful. But I, I before we you know four years or five years or ten years even after somebody comes up with some scientific discovery, let's let's recognize that science changes quite frequently, and the consensus scientific consensus changes very quickly these days. So let's wait to make judgments about whether or not we think that the science holds sway over what we think the scriptures say in this case. I don't think that, I think that when all facts are known, uh, science and the, the Bible are friends, uh, and, and will not contradict one another when all the facts are known. I just don't think that all the facts are known at the point. That's my, my view cur- currently, but that's scientifically we're talking, if we're speaking literarily, I just don't have see any reason why you'd read the first chapters of Genesis as conveying that Adam and Eve aren't real. Right. R- real in the... So this is where I'm I'm trying to bridge the conversation we just had about Re- real, the real ballparking in the, numbers and intent in with the, this conversation. When I say real, I mean fle- flesh and blood living people. Although the argument isn't that they are flesh and blood living people. There's a lot of people who would say, well, they're not... They are flesh and blood living people. It's just that they were two of 10,000. Okay, so that's one of the viewpoints that's held within kind of the Christian church at this mm-hmm. present time. And, and they were kind of, just as their God appoints priests or right. the high and priest were, to take care of the temple, they are, their job was to take care yeah. of the garden. Yeah, so that's a debate. What I'm saying, that I have viewpoints on, but what I'm saying is to read the Bible and now say, well, they're just metaphor. It's just metaphor. Or they're just mm. symbols for things. No, I don't. I can't see how that's the case. Mm. I can't. At this, I, I can. Maybe you guys can. So I'm. I think the author's intent is that they're real, right? Yeah. I'm. So the question I'm kind of asking, or trying to ask, if I can spit it out, is the is the is the um, historical context viewpoint of it of are we asking a different question of are they real than what first century people would have been asking. So my, like I'm with you that they were actually real people, but what I'm asking is, are we bringing too much of a 21st century modern view of how we define things and just importing it on the first century? Like, like like real. Right. So my, this is me trying to bridge the conversations. If the intent in the numbers is to be truthful, but not specifically accurate, why can we not, bring that same kind of language when it comes to the point, the intent of the author was to talk about how things came to be and how these two characters played a central role in that. And Jesus is referring to that story is in the same kind of more ancient than modern mindset. Yeah, it's, that That's very possible. And I think that that's the argument that people is that like, what it's like, based on like, essentially like Walton and others are, 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 are making. I, I will say that the way that people retold stories in the ancient world is different mm-hmm. than way, what we do. I mean, all the evidence that we have is that somebody would believe uh, that um, a story was true if it contained, you know, a, kind of a, a core of 40 to 60 percent of 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 what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Do, do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then different versions would exaggerate different parts of the story. Which, by the way, is kind of exact, exactly how oral culture today works. Like, if you retell a story, Greg, you're, and, you t- and you retell it, I don't know, eight different times. Or maybe you tell a story and the three of us, obviously, are in this room. 
we, you know the story already, already and we tell the story again. We're not going to get all the details the same as what you got. You'll, you'll emphasize different pieces than I will when I tell it to my wife later. But largely, if you know, I might exaggerate some things or talk about your facial features or, you know, I wasn't there to so revisit different par- parts of it and, and color it up a little bit. Mm. That doesn't mean that the story that I'm telling is untrue. Mm. Right. So my wife is, can't accuse me. You're lying. Mm. Right. Or that Greg, because he tells the story right now and then tells it later and includes a few more other details or exaggerates maybe one part, the fish was, wasn't just, you know, five inches long, it was 12 inches. Mm. You're not a liar mm. because of this. What you're saying is not untrue. So this is the way that stories work. And so, for example, I mean, if you go to seminary, one of the things that you'll find is that there are so many different versions of the David and Goliath story. So many, it's like, I don't know, 15, 20 versions of it. So which one, which one is the right one? Well, and, and doesn't this call into question the truthfulness of the scriptures? No, it doesn't call into question the truthfulness of the scriptures. It, it, what, what it shows you is that this is the way oral cultures work. Even our oral culture works that way. And I don't think that we're quite as aware these days, by the way, of how much Google and the Internet has actually changed our understanding of, of, of tr- truthfulness and things like, do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how now you can fact check everything and assume that this, the version of a story that's told online is the true version. We even have websites that try to do this, Snopes and others, that that's the true version online as opposed to, but, but historically, oral culture has always worked in kind of a fluid fashion, hmm. right? Hmm. So there's a TV show. I don't know if you guys have, I, I, I am not, listen, I am not recommending this show necessarily to you, okay? All right, guys, everyone I, listen I'm up. Not, Jeff's about no, to recommend I'm not, this show. <laughs> recommending this show, but oh. it is the most prophetic television show uh, about um, our our technological times of any out there. It's called Black Mirror, uh, and Netflix does it. Have you seen it? I've mm. seen I've seen a few. I've seen one, maybe two. Uh, they they are um, I, I they are very. Um, like I said, prophetic. They, they sometimes deal in areas that are that are um, ugly and questionable, and that's on purpose. They they are trying to show because we're so excited about all our new technologies, like our telephone and stuff like that, our cell phones and our our social you know, media platforms, social media, and all that kind of stuff. Because we're so excited about these things and only tend to look at the positive side. What this show is basically doing is saying, oh, well, here's what could happen if we adopt this thing and keep going down these this path if and without any kind of questions about it. Which it's a unique show because for like a Hollywood TV show, they take a real kind of conservative bias as yeah. what well, this is going to look really bad yeah. in the, the future. And they seem like we were talking about this in the staff room with Andy and he's saying, whether they know it or not, this show is promoting the Judeo-Christian worldview. With, without a doubt, it's question, it, it, it it, every show raises questions about the sinfulness of human people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that look, we are <laughs> we we are um, prone to use our tools in ways that are dis, that, that are sinful because we are sinful. Yeah. And it's not that the technology is bad, right. but it's that we end up using it for bad things, it, and it allows us to maybe slip into that faster and do it more efficiently. Mm. Anyway, there's a reason I brought this up because this, this show has this one, one of the shows is of a, the ability that doesn't seem that outrageous for us to be able to record everything we see. Mm. So you have a little chip in your below your ear and you and you 
you're able to both replay it in your own eye or broadcast it onto a TV. So if Greg asked me, hey, what'd you do in, in Los Angeles, which is where I was a lot last week? Oh, I could show you the stuff I my son and I did. I could just flip it mm. onto the screen and I could replay and fast play and freeze it and say, hey, see that, see that, see that. You'd see it actually through my eyes. The, store, the, the, the show is basically trying to say, though, that that creates all sorts of problems, though, regarding, uh, y- you know, that if you and I get in a debate or argument about something, Greg, mm. then and I'm recounting a story. We, I don't need to recount the story anymore. I, can just, repl- I just replay it. Hmm. Right. Oh, so you, can that you said this. You can say or... this. No, he said, she said it's hmm. all. And I there's some really important points being made about about uh, technology in that show. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because that's the kind of levels of of scientific, truthful accuracy that we are coming to in a technological age expect of people hmm. that if you if you deviate at all in your retelling of an event from the actual things that took place in the actual moments, what he said, she said, whatever, exact wording, you're treated in some cases like a liar. And I'm, I'm saying that that standard is unequivocally modern mm. and really unrealistic to express upon any culture, even existing cultures today that don't really have a lot of writing or internet use or whatever, and certainly on the Bible. So what you have in the New Testament, for example, is like mostly quoted speech of Jesus, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So did Jesus actually say those words? Well, yeah, but but those exact words and that we could replay in history and play back on our little eye picture thing and flick them up on the screen, uh, pro- I don't probably not. Mm-hmm. It's it's the recounting of what Jesus said through the prism of the spirit-inspired author mm. who wants to emphasize certain aspects of what he said and didn't. So, so is the Sermon on the Mount exactly what Jesus said? Or is it Matthew recounting what Jesus said with some of Matthew's theological agendas thrown in? Which, by the way, those theological agendas are spirit-inspired, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like God is, you know, leaving Matthew out on a lone beach and he's got to figure it out. No, he's carried him along as he, that's the way the Bible talks about its own inspiration. Yeah. Isn't Luke really focused, like for the four gospels, they all take it differently, right? Luke is talking about a lot of the healings. Um, John is dealing with the Gnostics. What do, what do you say Matthew and Mark deal with? Like the, kind of the emphasis. Well, Mark, Mark is about Jesus kingship, I, I think. I've been reading mm. through Mark, actually, at the beginning of this year, and it's really telling how much how much the authority of Jesus is emphasized in Mark's gospel mm. over everything, right? Spirits and demons and, you know, weather and, like, everything. Mm. And the assumption is, even people should do, you know, should do mm. the sickness, kneels to him, everything kneels to him. Mm-hmm. Matthew's probably got a little bit more of a engaging with a a Jewish audience Mm -hmm. in particular, trying to persuade people who are familiar with the Jewish story, uh, familiar with Israel's history, trying to persuade them that he is this Messiah. Mm. Um, so some of his work with genealogies and, and, and other people get frustrated because there's you know, when you do a harmonization of the gospels, they find some different versions between, you know, the same story is told in different ways from three authors. Oh, he emphasizes that. You know, so I emphasize that. And which one's true? End, people will end up using that word. Well, which one is true or not? And that's the the response to that question is, what do you mean by true? 
Do you mean can which one should can we replay and be the exact words of Jesus? Because that the answer to that is probably none. If if that's the standard of truth that you think is normal and real, it's, I, that's not. But that's not the standard of truth that we use in 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 our in our normal everyday speech all the, all the time. I'm, use use ancient standards to apply to an ancient book, right? Right. To not do so is what we call anachronistic. It's out of time. It's it. Yeah. So here's my question. Mm. When. Uh, Cain kills Abel, right? I always mix that up. Cain kills Abel? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you yeah. don't know that, Pastor. Oh, I always forget that one. That so, might be one of the questions that God asks. Okay. Like when you get to have any and he asks you questions, that might be it. I'm going to freeze up. You'd be like, uh, I'm gonna be, it's going to be awful. It's going to be really embarrassing. So Cain gets all nervous about who he's going to see when he gets kicked out. Yeah. We were reading that in the, in the our yeah. Bible plan a few weeks ago or whatever. And, and I read that passage again. I thought that's an interesting little detail that's thrown in there. This is early in Genesis where, so my, the question I always ask when I read that part, it's highlighted in my Bible. Where they all come from. Who are those people? Who's he afraid of? Totally. Like his siblings. And this is where people who are arguing that Adam and Eve were two of, you know, 10,000 hominids are saying, see, this answers this historic question for us. Piece of cake. And yeah, maybe, maybe it does. And that, that is one place where it would be, it would be, yeah, able, able to answer that. The, the answer to the question is, I don't know. Right. We don't know. The Bible is also a, um, a highlight reel, right? It doesn't give us every single thing that happened on the face of the earth at all times. So we're only left with what we have in the scriptures. Mm. Yeah. And isn't that interesting because every culture is going to, it's going to ask different questions of the Bible that the Bible doesn't intend to answer. Right. Different, different backgrounds, different uh, interests, different ways we're wired, different eras we live in. We're going to ask the Bible different questions that that, like you say, the Bible doesn't actually provide an answer to the who who is Cain afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what's happening even in modern teaching with uh, with people like when you take the Bible out of its context, that's Mm -hmm. essentially what you're what you're doing is you're making the Bible speak to an issue that it's not intending to speak to at that point. Right. Which is why you end up finding lots and lots of people. I mean, Daniel, we, one of the next questions that we were going to deal with was people who are who walking around these days and saying that we need they quote Bible verses to say that we need to decree and declare things over. Yeah, I mean st- stuff, and that that's just a way. Before you ask the question or get into it, that's just, that's just the passages of scripture that they use to try to say this are all taken out of their context, mm-hmm. and what they essentially are doing is saying, how do we have in the modern world where we feel so. Um, we feel so out of control. How do we exert some level of control over our world? Mm. Oh, I know. We'll speak things out into the universe and make, make it so that they come true, right? Mm-hmm. That our, our words have power. So then they read that assumption into the Bible. Oh, and then they come up with doctrines or come up with theological approaches that, that might prove that. Like, oh, see, uh, point one, God has authority to speak worlds into existence, Right? Uh, Jesus can calm the storm. So God himself. Point two, we are made in the image of God, right? right? Therefore, we have that ability. We should have the, we have the ability to speak things into existence like God did the worlds and like Jesus did with the storm. Yeah. So the, the root behind why That's I was not true, this. by the way. I'm fearful that people are hearing me. Jeff is not recommending I'm not this. I'm saying that that's the case. 
Yeah. I'm saying that that's the way people argue in order to make it the case. Yeah, the reason I was bringing it up is because I was I follow a lot of um, uh, various pastors and you know kind of celebrity pastors and whatnot on Instagram, and I just a lot I've seen a lot of people you know declare this year is going to be your year. Why you know, do you God's fo- really? for you. you follow? Yeah, I just I just I'm always curious to see what they're is saying. Greg what Harris, they do. one of the celebrity pastors. Greg's that you not on. on I would I would I follow him on Twitter. Greg, are you really a prolific on Twitter? No, he's a, a sports guy. Greg's I'm, a sports Twitter guy. I'm but not back a to my prolific tweeter. Tell you what, if I tweet something, will you retweet it? Can you sure. change? Can you change your Twitter profile pic from an I'll, egg? Then I'll tweet about your retweet. The red egg. The red and egg. And you'll yeah. go back and forth. I'm gonna re. That's one of my favorite things on Twitter is the Christian leader who retweets his own tweet. That's great. <laughs> my tweet wasn't enough. Sorry, Daniel, you had a point. My point was I. Keep you were gramming. You well, were over I was there gramming, gramming away. I was gramming and I was storying and I, <laughs> no, but you, I keep seeing people saying, you know, declare this. Like you have, I declare this year a year that you're going to be free from your anxiety. I declare this year is the year that you're going to be um, this and that God is going to be moving in your life in this particular way. And I, I don't know. I have a hard time with that language because I've never felt like I have that authority. Do I have that authority, Greg? Because I'm, I'm one of God's, I, like, like I'm one of his, his children. And so I, I, I can kind of say with confidence that God can move and do these things. And so I'm calling him to do it. Is that just language they're using that's forceful and emotional? Or is it, did they actually believe that they can change it with their words? Yeah, I don't know what each one of them were intending. You know, like, so I think it's, it's realistic to say that in some of those cases, they're using hyperbolic language to say things that we would say, like, I hope this year goes well for you. And instead of saying, I hope it, I'm going to say, I declare it. Okay. Maybe. Okay. No, what? But, but I think You're a so lot charitable. of them, I think a lot of them actually believe that if you don't actually say something like that, if you don't actually throw those words out there and actually declare something that it won't actualize because mostly I think because it's something I brought up in my sermon a few weeks ago. Like, I just don't think we have a very good Everything grasp basically of, of comes God's back providence to stuff you brought up, right? Yeah, exactly. Got to make or, it about you, you Or you do it. not have because you do not ask. And so this is me asking and declaring it. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. So my point was the, we, we don't trust God's providence in our lives. And so we, we feel like if we don't make these declarative things to be true about us, then, then we don't know which way our life is going to actually end up going. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, I think people, it's, it's a bit of a syncretistic, it's a bit of a, a melding of different religious perspectives. You take kind of some, some Christian worldview stuff, you take some, some pop, the moral therapeutic deism stuff, you, you take a whole bunch of different spiritual stuff and it's you, animistic. you bring together this hobble together Jesus will save you. In the meantime, your life can be great. Declare it over your life. Your words have power. You, it's about control. Yeah. This is what you're trying to say about God's providence. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Because, but we can say this, but then I've had experiences where it has come true. So I, I have played you had on this experiences football. where it hasn't? Oh, totally. But then hmm. what about the times where it does? So, uh, like, do I just keep doing it? Because, you know, maybe 50% so, of the time it's so going to work. I, I imagine that if I said that uh, if I do this special little dance, outside of of a store uh, where I'm collecting money for the Salvation Army uh, that in the next you know minute after that someone will give me money I imagine if I do that that there will be a percentage sometimes that's like 60% of the time it'll work right and 
on that basis, do I then say that there is a causal link between my dancing and their giving? Mm. See, so when I was a kid, funny story, we had to sell these uh, chocolate bars. You guys ever do this for your, like baseball team and stuff? You sell chocolate bars. The, it's the, the chocolate almonds. Okay, so we sell- or the girl guide cookies. That's the big one here. Is yeah. girl guides? They come around and we always buy them. We, we used to we used to sell uh, these 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 bars outside of a grocery store in, in Issaquah, Washington, just outside mm. of Seattle. Mm. Mm. And um, this guy came up to us. Uh, we were going to win. What are you? I think you won a little stereo or something if you got first place nice. or whatever. Yeah, boom box. So we were going to get a stereo, me and my friend. And this guy comes up to us outside this, well, we're selling this. And he said, here's, here's this little card. And he said, if you say this line on this card, each time before you try to sell the thing, uh, it'll come, it'll come, it'll work. Sweet. Of course, I'm like, what are we at that? I'm at that point. I'm like 10. I'm, I'm like, this is awesome. But you want so that okay, radio. We'll give it a try. And you and want so, that radio. <clears throat> so we started doing it. And we started to genuinely feel anyway, like the success rate was, was much higher. Um, I don't know if it was or wasn't, but every time we sold one, we ended up saying to ourselves, that's because we said the line. Mm. See, whereas before when we weren't saying the line and we sold stuff, it wasn't, there wasn't any causal link to it. So my point is it's very easy for us to make causal links where there may or may not be one. Isn't this just superstition? Yes. But this is my point though, is you're being way too charitable at this, Greg. I'm on, I'm on your case. Well, for you to say that nobody says that. Nobody says I decree and declare something in the same way that they say, I hope this happens. <laughs> they, nobody, I was you, saying someone could. I don't know. The only way that reason that people say I decree and declare is because there's a theology behind it. And the theology is that I'm, I want to control my world. And there is a way to control my world that, that the Bible gives me. Right? So it is syncretism in the sense that yeah. I, I, it's the same kind of practice that somebody has when they go to the witch doctor. If I go to a witch doctor, I want him to do a spell that will give me what I want. So, so this is just a, another spell, mm-hmm. right? Just because we say it and we don't, we don't say rink-a-ma-nig-a-dink-a-rink-a, you know, open sesame or whatever, be, just, be, just because it says I decree and declare and then you make your statement doesn't mean it's any less witch doctory. Yeah, that's true. So to, here, here is my, my point was I think some people are, are more aware of like what they're actually doing and other people see, see others doing it. And they repeat the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So one, I think, is out of like more ignorance than not. Both syncretism is just one's actually like the propagator of it intentionally, and the other one's just the ignorant. the solution to the problem is what you said. It's it's a trust in God's providence. Mm. There's something I'm I'm planning on saying repeatedly this year that uh, Kyle was talking to me about over Christmas. He sent me an he sent me an article that was uh, anyway a, a part of what Calvin talked about in the Christian life. And Calvin made the distinction of what Kyle called the apostrophe. And here, here it is. We, we are gods or we are gods. Mm. And, and by that, he meant one mm. of those gods ha- has an apostrophe in it. So either we are gods in the sense that we belong to God. We are under his authority and we take from him what it is he gives. Doesn't mean we don't ask for things. Doesn't mean, but we trust like a child trusts their father that when the answer is no or different or something, we trust that he's the kind of father who loves us and seeks our eternal good, right? Which is what you preached about. Or we say instead we're gods. Instead of saying we're gods with apostrophe, we're gods. 
like the Tower of Babel kind, mm. where we say, no, no, we're going to do our own thing here. We're going to solve all the problems. We, we want what we want. Well, it's the, that's the humanist view, right? We're, we yes. create the own destiny. Like, we are the future. We create that <laughs> destiny. So one of those is Christian. Mm. Christians love apostrophes. Mm. Okay? So if, if we are gods, meaning that we belong to him and we submit to his authority... We ought not be the kind of people who ex- say that we're going to express some sort of uh, mm. dominion or power over something mm. where God didn't speak, mm. right? That we, I want this car, so I'm going to decree and declare that it belongs to me. What? what? Why don't mm. you ask the Lord for the car then and be at peace with what he gives? You can plead with God for it. If he, if he thinks that this is ultimately going to be for your eternal good, and his eternal glory, then you will receive the car. But at the end, the position you're in as a Christian is, I'm going to be at peace with what my daddy's going to give. Mm. As opposed to being somebody who says, no, God gave us these instructions so that we can manipulate our, our, the spiritual realms around us so that we can get whatever we, we want, especially money, which is usually why people dec- what people decree and declare. Mm-hmm. We are gods or we are gods. That's a good line. Isn't it great? I love it. I'm going to say it all over the place. I'm already planning my next year's Christmas stuff. Nice. I'm including that. Look at that. Love it. Friends, that's just a little behind-the-scenes look of what goes on here (laughs) at the Extra Podcast and at Northview. We're always thinking ahead. Hey, what's your... Can I ask a question? You're wanting to wrap up, aren't you? I want to wrap up, but you you can get one more question. I just want to know what your guys' is like, your, your, your best example of current superstitions you still have, even though you think it's dumb. Oh, that I have? Yeah. Here's what? mine. Oh yeah. When my son has a, when my son has a bad sleep, I tell my wife we're not allowed to put him in those pajamas again. Wow. <laughs> There's a period in my life though where I actually talk about syncretism, where I believe that whatever clothes I wore on a particular day gave yeah. me either a good day or a bad day. And I remember standing over my clothes drawer asking God, "Would you just tell me which ones are the lucky ones?" Yeah. So just think about that. Oh God, I need to know which are the lucky ones. Because if you wear the wrong I was socks, so mad man, at, I was so mad at him that sometimes, yeah, because I was like, as a, as a young guy, I was like 13, 14 years old, I was like, God, what? Just tell me which it is. Which is, anyway, pure syncretism. But I don't, don't see, do I do that anymore? Sometimes I believe by checking my, a certain app on my phone, it will influence my sports teams. Really? Sports is, yeah. Yeah, like, see, sports and... Yeah. Now, for me, parenting. Because and, well, because you <laughs> parenting have no contr- is a sport. It you have no real. control over it, right? <laughs> you have no control over it. So if I want my sport team to win, I yeah. know that I shouldn't check the score app because yeah. whenever I check the score app, they lose. Yeah. But if I check this other app, and so oh. sometimes I will, I will, I will go like have to do two clicks instead of one to yeah. find the score, just so so that I don't, I don't spread that juju out to them. Yeah. This past season, every Whitecaps game I watched, they lost. And then every time I didn't watch it, they won. And so you don't. And so I told Sarah, I can't watch. Yeah. I want to watch the, the game, Seahawks. but I don't want them to watch. It's I don't the want to watch the game. And then I realized the reason I didn't want to watch the Seahawks is because they made me so angry. Mm. And then I realized, ah, it's probably good for me not to watch them. And then I watched them and they lost. So. <laughs> This has see? been a pretty cathartic episode. But for you. don't you see that my point is is that Daniel, that you can see how like we tend to reinforce these things by kind of the regular occurrence of the, or our perceived regular occurrence of them. I don't, Greg, I don't have any superstitions. I hit my head really hard and I forget <laughs> pretty much everything. All of them. We are gods, or we are gods. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.